Hello, I'm Drew Catt, at Choices Director of State Research and Special Projects. Today, I'm in the studio to introduce our listeners to a researcher to watch. I'm here with Dr. Adobe Anakwe, a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Missouri School of Health Professions. Thanks for joining me today, Adobe. Thank you, Drew. Happy to be here. Yeah, so first, I guess, would you mind sharing your most recent research, which I guess caught our eyes and which I read really fascinating, talking about virtual schooling and the digital challenges for Black families? Yes. Um, so this study was titled A Single Swim, where we examined the virtual life challenges that African American families with school-aged children were facing during the COVID-19 lockdown specifically. That's when the study was conducted. In this study, we generally found that parents kind of felt that they weren't empowered or felt disempowered to provide the resources, especially digital resources that their kids needed to be successful during that time. And it also highlighted that the challenges with the digital divide, which has been around for a long time, it just, I think the COVID pandemic kind of highlighted that a little more. Yeah, definitely. We can dive into that a little more, but, but I'm really interested in kind of your background and kind of what attracted you to this issue kind of at the crossroads of K-12 education, educational choice, and health. So my background is pretty long, but in brief, <laughs> so I just finished my doctoral studies at St. Louis University, literally graduated in May. and. Congratulations. I, thank you so much. I have worked on a couple of different things, right? However, again, I was doing my research during the pandemic lockdown. So my dissertation research during the pandemic lockdown. Now, I am from Nigeria, and I am also a parent, and I was long-distance parenting at the time. So that even though, you know, being in Nigeria and really seeing those disparities between the haves and have nots and how that, you know, having access to resources can really shape your trajectory in life, what you have access to and what you don't have access to, right? And then so during the pandemic specifically, really doing some of that long distance parenting, again, some of those challenges came up with how do you utilize these technologies? How do you engage children with technologies if you're, you know, that far away, but also really looking at the African-American community here, thinking about the challenges that they were already facing and what these additional issues with access to digital technologies could potentially mean. And so this was some of the things that I was thinking about when we went into the study, really trying to understand some of the experiences that African-American families or Black families were having, specifically during the lockdown. Yeah, and that's such fascinating thing. And I, I, my heart really goes out to you. Long distance parenting, I cannot even imagine kind of how, how hard that was having now two of my own and having the opposite effect of, you know, trying to juggle work and kids at the same time. Can't even imagine having to do that from afar. Yep. Yeah. Consider adding um, time zone differences to that and then technology challenges to that. Mm -hmm. It was fun. Yeah, let alone, you know, dissertation work, which <laughs> just takes up a little bit of your time. You know, it's, you know, yeah. Yeah, so what speaks to you more, if you could touch more on, like, your background and growing up and kind of maybe some of the 
the similarities and differences in kind of the populations that you highlighted in the research. You talked about the haves and the have-nots. Did you look into some of those demographic differences, like small town versus rural, or just focused on the overall picture? So this was really focused on the overall picture, right? Mm-hmm. It was, you know, African-Americans within a small community in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, it was really, if you, if you think about, you know, during the pandemic lockdown, doing any research then was hard if you were not going to be doing it, you know, online. These interviews were conducted like on the phone. So I was calling people, really asking them, okay, you're home. What's your experience? So really thinking about that was an additional dynamic given the lockdown and the pandemic. Are you looking to kind of continue doing lines of research along like this? What do you enjoy researching? the most? And what do you like finding? Very broad question. It is. I have had experience researching so many things at this point, but I really am finding that my research interest really lies in improving or figuring out what are the issues and figuring out ways that we can improve health outcomes for African-American populations. And some of that for me is really nested in the family cycle, right? Really thinking about what is the family structure? What is the culture of the community? Specifically for not just African-Americans, but Black, for for the Black population, right? So that encompasses, you know, people like me who are here as, as immigrants, right? So really thinking about how can understanding what are the challenges, what are the cultural nuances to seeking health and improving um, health outcomes and how can we make this more place-based so understanding where they're coming from and ensuring that whatever solutions we eventually come up with is true to what they say the challenges are and involving them in finding solutions for whatever challenges that they're raising right so that's kind of where my interest really lies is thinking about how to strengthen the African-American family and improve health outcomes that way. Yeah, and it's, you know, just thinking back to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs that keeps coming up for me like every every month or every couple of months. But, you know, there's so much linked between health and education. If you're not, you know, having your physical needs met, then you're not in the best place mentally to be able to learn. And I think... It's wonderful to see kind of this um, interdisciplinary crossroads and intersection uh, between research, because that's the kind of stuff that I personally love. School choice can be kind of a, an interdisciplinary study, and, and there are so many different ways to tackle it, from looking at the environmental lens and, you know, fewer buses on the road, if students are attending school closer to their houses, and even that in of itself can be linked to health outcomes because of the exhaust from the buses. But yet, I was really, really excited to see this intersection between health and education because there's also kind of a a larger project happening kind of here in Indiana looking at nurse visits and learning. So it's, it's really interesting to see this stream popping up. What are your next steps, I guess, with this research or maybe looking at it, replicating in another community? And I realized that you know, hopefully, fingers crossed that uh, it was a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence in terms of uh, being forced to conduct research in that matter, and you know the parental experiences of their children learning at home. 
But yeah, what are kind of your next steps with this research or looking at a different research project? Yeah, so just to add to what you were saying, you know, I, I don't think I mentioned that is I am very much around what we call like the social determinants of health. Mm-hmm. So the effect of where you live, education, all of that, and how all those things intersect are really the root causes of the health outcomes that we see. I'm really trying to unpack what are some of those social determinants. So to answer your next question, which is next steps. Again, I'm still very much nested in the Black community. I'm still, I'm continuing to work with this community where I am now at the University of Missouri to start to think about what other issues have they faced or are they facing with optimizing their health. There's lots. There's lots of issues, right? So the one aspect that I'm kind of moving into now more is examining health outcomes for Black men, specifically before they start to have children, right? So that's kind of where I'm looking at the social determinants of that and how that plays into their future, their future life and future planning. Because again, it's really thinking about before we get to this point where we have the children and we have to navigate all of these things, what are the factors that we should have addressed or should be addressing before we get to that point of they now have kids, they can provide, they can support and all of that. And again, you would agree with me that Black men have been a a neglected population or subpopulation within the Black population as a whole, specifically Black fathers. So really digging in there to kind of explore some of that some more and seeing how, you know, we can pull in what we now know about digital technologies, their lack of access to to that and see how we can start to create some of those opportunities for them to be more engaged in those activities or engaging in resources that can improve their access to digital technologies as well. So kind of, yeah, in that space, really trying to think through what next needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. And so how, I guess, well, before the former research, you had a very specific defined community, but how in your line of work do you define community? I mean, so many times in education, people focus on the school district as the community or the schooling sector as the community. I personally kind of see a geographical space as a community regardless of where students attend school. So yeah, how, how do you, I guess, define community in your work? So right now, I think community for me would be, it's really the people, mm-hmm. right? It's really the people who are living within a shared space. So that shared space could be a group of families. It could be the wider, you know, the go to church together. It could be they participate in different other activities together, but they exist within a certain place and they function within that space, right? So that would be my definition of community in terms of work. And then also when you think about, you know, the American system and American culture, where a lot of things are stratified by race, right? I can also see how people of a particular racial group could become or could be a community because they are impacted or affected by very similar structural issues. So again, that is another definition that I use for for community. So you often hear me talk about the Black community because that defines a group of people who are living through 
a shared experience or experience similar structural factors. Yeah, hitting on shared experience kind of makes me remember something that I, I don't know, my hope for the nation and the world is that this shared experience of the last year and a half can hopefully help us feel more connected to each other, regardless of where you live, what your background is, what you look like. So yeah, fingers crossed on that one. Yep, right there with you. <laughs> yeah, I was also thinking kind of about kind of a local school board that I just rolled off of, like not a school board, but the board of a school. It was in a kind of lower income area with some of these, a lot of the health issues. And, and really just thinking of my conversations with the principal about like, okay, what is it the students need beyond what they're able to get in the school? And so much of it was just, yeah, going back to talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and getting fed, getting rested, getting connected to other people and kind of in, in your work, being able to be connected to information. I feel like so many of us take for granted the ability to pull a supercomputer, a miniaturized supercomputer out of our pockets and have everything at our fingertips. And we forget that there is a significant size of the population that isn't able to do that on a daily basis. I couldn't agree more. This is definitely True, which is why, you know, when we started to read some of these interviews from the participants, it was difficult in terms of really seeing what experiences they were living through at the time, right? And really thinking about, I think for me, one of the biggest challenges here or challenges that I would love for us to really proactively think about how to prevent is that the digital divide becomes something that is added onto the social determinants of health, right? Because beyond education, it is already most likely going to become, and I don't know that that research has been done to kind of look at what has been the impact of COVID on educational outcomes, right? And how that differs for people who had access to versus those who did not have access to. I haven't really looked at that research yet, or if it's been done, but you know, off the top of my head, I'd say there'll probably be differences, right? So we anticipate some differences in terms of educational outcomes, right? Then you add on the layer of now we need with this even more reliance on technology for social engagement. Mm -hmm. So then people that don't have access might now be at increased risk for loneliness or just being cut off socially, right? Then when you add on the fact that there's a push for reliance on digital technologies for access to healthcare, so telehealth, when you think about telehealth, even for the vaccine, during the vaccine rollout, people have to schedule the appointment via their devices, right? When people don't have access to these things, what does that mean? So for me, my biggest worry or fear is having this digital divide, if not addressed, become an additional thing that we add to the menu, the cafeteria menu of the social determinants of health, impacting or adversely impacting populations of color, and within this case, the African-American population. Yeah, and there's so much overlap between the social determinants of health and 
the variables looked at for educational outcomes. It's yeah, I, there there's I feel like there is more overlap in our work than many people realize. Yeah, I often say that public health is whatever you make it to. It's everything. It's literally everything. And that's really what I like about it. It challenges you to think within and outside the box to really open up your mind, kind of understand what are the real issues and how can we address them, especially thinking about how they are interrelated, how they're interconnected, how they overlap. There's, there's a lot, you know. Yeah, I think that's what makes me excited about. That was not a question, but I think that's something that makes me excited about being in public health because of the broad view that you're able to have about this. There's so much overlap between every other field and what public health is and what public health does. So, Yeah, like I can't even think where I would be in my educational journey if, if my health would have been different as a kid growing up. And if I had been like a friend that was in and out of school constantly for medical reasons. Oh, this has been wonderful. Do you have any other previous research or forthcoming research that you'd like to mention? There's things in the works. They're still definitely very much formative around Black men. So there will be stuff coming out on that. I think there will be stuff also coming out on possibly disaster preparedness might be another mm. thing that might be coming forth. And then as we continue to do this work, thinking about what place-based organizations have been doing with the African-American community here, place-based organizations so like the church, faith-based organizations have been doing. So that might be something else that may potentially come out. I may not be leading on that, but that's something that might, I will just put it out there that that's something that we're also working on. There's lots of research going on. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, yes, always. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fascinating. And it's, it's interesting to think of because, you know, when uh, we talk about education reform and education policy, those are things that are hopefully going to have a positive impact on students in school now. But what do we do for those who are no longer in the educational system? How much are we focused on, quote unquote, fixing people when they're young and in the educational system and we forget about those that went through the system that was already there? that didn't have access to those opportunities, didn't have access to that information. And how do we get that information to them? Yeah, that's a lifelong thing of trying to figure out because I think I've kind of seen something around that before or asked some of those questions myself before, which is you see we do a lot of interventions with like schools, but that we're assuming that everyone's in school or is able to be in school or that the program is provided through schools does not necessarily mean that it is accessible to everybody. And then to your point, and then those who are no longer there, I think it, it's a culture of, you know, that's, they missed out on that, I guess, and move on and yeah, which is sad, but I don't, I'm not sure what, what we can do about that, but it's really thinking about how do we continue to create stop gaps and safety nets for those who have missed out on certain opportunities? And I think it starts from acknowledging that people have missed out. Mm -hmm. And then after acknowledging, it's 
thinking through what then do we do, right? So it's one step to acknowledge it, which is I think is the very first step, which is important, but then really thinking through what needs to be done, yeah. which is the more difficult piece. See, even thinking like if just focused on technology, some of that could happen, you know, through a workforce development program at a community center, but kind of getting to the health outcomes at what point, if you're an adult that never went through a highly informative health class in middle school or high school, where and how do you get that information? Yeah, I'm sure that's a huge challenge. I think that goes back to what I was saying about, you know, a lot of people would access stuff like that on their devices, for instance. Mm -hmm. But that's, again, a lot of people don't have that access, you know, so it's 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 a challenge that I think needs to be addressed. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for helping to shine a light on this, Dr. Nakwe. And yeah, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Wish you the best in continuing this research and really getting the word out on how much this is an issue that as communities and as a nation does need to be addressed. Thank you so much. I enjoy having this conversation as well. Hey, yeah. And to our listeners, be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you choose to listen to them for more of our coverage of new school choice research, education reform policy chats, and more. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you back soon with more at Choice Chats.